0: Hello, I'm Christy Duncan, founder of Women in Payments, a global network that connects, inspires, and champions women across the global payments industry. Welcome to our Pause for Payments podcast. Every week we sit down with an inspiring woman leading the way in her field. We'll discuss industry and career-related topics and share personal success stories to inspire and empower the next generation of women leaders. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors for their continued support with your help, we can go further, faster. Hello, and welcome to Pause for Payments. I'm Christy Duncan, and I am delighted to be chatting today with Katie O'Dell, who is AVP at Credit Card Product Management at USAA, based in Wilmington. Welcome, Katie. Thanks, Christy. Uh, Very happy to be here. Delighted to have you. So, Katie and I are going to have a discussion today about community banking, and how USAA has approached it. For those of you in our audience who might not be familiar with USAA, it's a provider of insurance, banking, investment, and retirement products, solutions to 13 million members in the US, military, veterans, and their families. And I'm sure Katie can explain that way better than I can. Mm -hmm. So Katie, let's start this discussion by telling the audience a little bit more about USAA
1: and your role there. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. Um, So I am in the credit card division of USAA. And I recently started here back in January of 2021. And I am super excited to be part of this organization because, like you said, the focus is on serving US military members, their families, the employees, such as myself, and our families. So as you said, we have about 13 million members, most of which have been in the military. Right now, probably a a small portion of that is active military. So we do have a large contingent where they're retired or in the reserves or their family members. Just a little bit about USAA. We were founded in 1922. So we're almost 100 years old. We're looking forward to celebrating our 100-year anniversary next year. And it was primarily founded by a group of Army officers who wanted to insure their vehicles. And so they banded together and created the insurance company for which we are primarily known. USA Bank was formed almost 40 years ago in 1983. And it was really to build upon those relationships that were built within the, what they call PNC, property and casualty organization to, you know, offer additional uh, financial services to our members. And right now we have about 9 million of those 13 million members are banking customers. Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: So that's great. And what about your Role there. What do you do in this big
1: organization? (laughs) So, what's cool about the credit card division is that we report up through the retail bank. So, we are a division of the retail bank rather than a standalone credit card division, as you would see in, in other larger organizations. So, I report to the head of the credit card division and I manage a couple of different things, primarily part of our product management, which is our mass and affluent products. So, we have cash. Um, and we have rewards products. We also offer Visa and American Express cards. So that's part of what I'm responsible for. The second part is our network partnerships and all of our strategic relationships. So that's our Visa, American Express relationships and contracts. The third part is product development. So we know, and we'll talk about this later in, in this, where Uh, We're developing and refreshing our credit card products, looking at our benefits and features and and servicing and and things like that that surround the the, the credit card products. And then finally, I'm responsible for uh, credit card servicing. So not the service centers, but some of those transactions and experiences that make up your credit card. So you're making a payment or you're doing a balance transfer or you're requesting a credit line increase. So those functions are under my group as well. So we have quite a diverse set of responsibilities, but it, it definitely makes it interesting. Um, and we've been in the uh, working on increasing our regulatory compliance and control environment over the last year or so. So uh, again, uh, setting the foundation for growth to come. Fantastic. Oh, that dreaded R word that
0: <laughs> <laughs> rears its ugly heads so often, but uh, is such an important part of our day-to-day lives in product and and financial services overall. Gosh. So clearly, USAA has a very specific target market, probably more specific than most organizations, being focused on serving members of the US military and their families, as well as the veterans. And I think right now about the military coming out of Afghanistan, I'm sure there's some special needs there. But How does that set USAA,
1: your organization, apart from other financial institutions? Yeah, thank you. you. That's That's a great question. So, you know, what's great about USAA, because we were founded by military, we truly understand the needs of the military community. So not only those that are actively deployed, where we offer, you know, our mobile banking services, and we have a low bandwidth website for military members out at sea or deployed where they don't have high speed bandwidth. We also kind of go around with a surround sound for families. You know, we understand that the military members are separated from their families. So we're very well versed in dealing with military spouses. We also understand that when they're deployed, they don't necessarily have access to Um, you know, make deposits and things like that in a branch. So we were one of the first to, or I believe we were the first to offer mobile deposit for checks. We really think about the design and the servicing strategy and USA is known for our servicing. And so we have an extensive uh, investment in our MSRs, our member service representatives, so that they can handle any question, kind of one-stop servicing uh, shop. The other thing that we really tried to focus on is that all of their primary banking can be done through our website or app or phone. We are not branch based. So, you know, when COVID hit, it really wasn't um, a, a stretch for us to, you know, service our members primarily through the digital and phone channels.
0: Wow. So that makes a lot of sense because you've got a very mobile target audience mm-hmm. member base many of whom are so mobile, they can't even get onto a regular website. So they need that special low uh, bandwidth website. I've never heard of that. That's fantastic. Sometimes I wish I could have that too. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So these are all really, really interesting differentiators, Katie. I want to talk a little bit about this global pandemic and certainly it's created opportunities for and challenges for financial institutions. And of course, USA being a big financial institution is going to be impacted by this pandemic as well. So what do you see as the biggest challenges for USAA over the next three years? And, and then
1: on the other flip side of that, what are the biggest opportunities? So I think they go hand in hand. So as I mentioned, you know, one of the reasons, one of the, the areas that I'm responsible for is product development and servicing. And it's really about how we can build upon our brand reputation for being a leader in the industry, the banking and the credit card industry in our servicing capabilities. The challenge will be is how do we continue to innovate uh, streamline our digital servicing capability so that it's intuitive. So folks don't have to, you know, click through several pages to do something so that things are intuitive and easy to find. If they need help, they can click to call as well as updating and refreshing our, our credit card products and some of our other banking products to make sure that we are relevant and staying in lockstep with our competition. So I think those are two of the, the big things that we are focused on right now in, in terms of what I'm thinking about and what you know what drives me every day is how do we build upon that brand reputation that we already have. What we were able to do during COVID, as many banking institutions were, you know, we allowed our customers to our members to delay payments. Um, we were able to waive fees. We were also able to offer additional payment assistance and, and you know, delay payments um, to support our members. So that combined with, you know, some of the stimulus payments, it really helped our members be able to stay afloat and take care of, of things, um, you know, other pressing matters such as paying rent or their medical expenses. So we want to continue to build on that, and with the increased, you know, control environment, we're able to look to. Automate and create efficiency there as, a, as I'm sure a lot of us in the industry are, but then how do you uh, make sure that our uh, members are able to, you know, reduce the pain points, reduce friction and, and that's, a, that's a buzzword in our industry, but to make it easier for them to do balance transfers for them to change you know, from one product to another as their life uh, life stage changes. So those are some of the things that we're going to be working on over the next, you know, one to three years, just for for a short time frame. But you know, and then see where the market takes us, and see how our our members respond, and then continue to innovate and uh, update our products and services from there. So
0: fascinating. Of course, you're right. Building that brand and maintaining that brand because you have such a very specialized. Uh, service offering for a very, very narrow niche market. It's really important that you maintain that. That's cool. So things are moving. We've got digital happening all over the place and innovation and cross border and automation is just incredible. Change is inevitable. And the, we've seen this pandemic really push forward that change and innovation agenda. Are there aspects, Katie, of banking that may have changed due to the pandemic, which you think? May or may not return to the
1: pre-pandemic state? Oh, definitely. And I think we all feel this, you know, that ability to, you know, have a Zoom conversation with your banker to be able to make a mobile deposit or to use an ATM. Um, I think what the pandemic did do was really drove folks that may have held out, late adopters. In terms of banking through the web and conducting their financial services through those remote channels i think it really forced the hand for folks to adopt that and what was great is is that they found that it's safe and reliable and i've been in banking for a long time i won't tell you how many years but a long time and you know i remember back in the 90s the mid 90s when we started to launch Web banking, internet banking, and folks were a little hesitant to mail in a deposit. And now it's ubiquitous; everybody can do it. All the banks have capability, and I think consumers are really starting to trust that they are able to do that. Um, especially with you know uh, bill pay and you know paying from one bank to another, making your credit card payment, uh, not necessarily mailing in a payment, but paying through auto pay. So I think it really forced the hand for folks to adopt um, the digital channels. Uh, that they may not have done in the past. And of course, you know, from an industry perspective, the, the likes of online shopping and being able to load your card into a mobile wallet so that you didn't even have to think about it. And I'm sure many of us, we might not know our credit card number, but we probably know our CVV code because that's the only piece of information that we are being asked for, you know, for some of our, uh, you know, online, online purchases. So I think at, And again, someone who's been in the industry, it's been exciting to watch that adoption that's been out there uh, for technology and for capabilities that have been out there for, you know, 15, 20 years. I think from an industry perspective where folks, uh, lenders had kind of pulled back because we really didn't know what we were going to hit in terms of the, the pandemic, it's good to see that um, lenders are loosening up their criteria, coming out with new products, coming out with campaigns and bonus offers and things like that again. So you start to see the market reopen and folks are coming back to utilizing credit cards, taking things, um, you know, loans and using their credit cards for home improvement and things like that projects that they had put off. And we all know home improvement shot off the charts during the pandemic because we were all looking for things to do. (laughs) I know I'm guilty of that for sure.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I love this digital adoption, how that agenda has really been pushed forward. Like, what do they say? Five years worth in five months or something? Exactly. Incredible. And that's a global thing that's happened, not just Mm -hmm. US or in one particular market. So this is really interesting. There's something that USAA does, I think, in a very special way. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about the, you as a financial institution with this very focused target market. Can you share a little bit about USAA's, sorry, USAA's approach to building customer relationships? I know mm-hmm. that's really
1: key, and I'm curious as to how you do it. What's your secret sauce? So I think the secret sauce is, is building the trust with our military partners. And one of the questions that we get asked when we are interviewing to work here is, why do you want to work here? What's your affiliation? And I could go on, you know, for 10 minutes just talking about that. But, you know, my brothers, my two brothers were in the Air Force. They both work for different branches of, of the government now. So there's still, you know, service Um, to our country. My father was in the Navy. My grandfathers were in the Army. And my children, my my twin sons, go to a military academy. So it is in our DNA. And my one brother uh, went in the service in 1984. He went in the Air Force. And he's been a customer since probably 1985, 1986. In fact, when I told him I was coming to work here, he said, I've been with USA so long, I don't remember when I wasn't. And one of the things he said to me is... When I need something financially, I always go to USAA first. If they don't have it, then I go somewhere else. But he really does look for USAA for insurance. They just bought a new car, they check the rates and their, their car loan through USAA. His primary credit cards through USAA. Um, his children, again, military members and their families, their first uh, checking and savings accounts as kids, as teenagers, were with USAA. So I think it's, you know, When folks enlist in the service, USA is is one of the first things that is offered to them as part of, hey, you know, now that you're a service member, you can take advantage of everything that USA has to offer. And then those relationships just build over time as, you know, folks move through their life cycle. You know, you don't necessarily need everything as a new recruit, but you know what, when you get your first car, when you buy a house you know, you need a personal loan or you need credit cards, you need, you need banking. And again, having that mobile capabilities really helps when folks are deployed or, or traveling around the world. So it's really a focus of the company is to continue to identify and meet the needs of our members. And I will tell you, I'm, I'm in the the office today in, in Texas. I don't usually, I work here because I'm from Delaware, but when you walk through the halls there are posters and um, like smart boards with stories. They call them member um, mission moments. You know, it's very important for us to remember, and it's on every presentation, it's on every wall. You know, why are we doing this? Well, it, our mission is to serve the members. And so we have to be, we are constantly reminded, and it's a great reminder who our members are. And especially you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, you know, the, the situation in Afghanistan, we had a special, you know, one hour session with our CEO on Thursday last week, where our employees, and again, most a lot of employees are former military, got to talk about how they feel. And that's not something you would see in every company. So again, it really brings us and reminds us why we are here and what we are doing. And so it grounds us and you'll hear people say it it grounds us in the mission. And I truly believe that. And that's why I'm, I'm very lucky and very happy to be here. And it gives a sense of purpose behind, you know, it's not just selling a credit card, but we're really trying to meet a financial need for somebody that like my brother has devoted their life to serving our country. That's such a great
0: story. I love how it's right in the DNA of the organization. DNA. Of people who work there, you and your family and your and your ancestors, mm-hmm. your father, grandfather, brothers. That's yeah. fantastic. And and these mission moments, just you know, pictures to remind you this is who we are serving and put a real face on that. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So clearly it's done well for you over the past 99 years. And I'm certain it'll get you over that hundred year milestone exactly. for next year. Fantastic. This has been a great discussion, Katie. I'm hoping that you'll help me with this last question which I always ask to all of our pause for payments guests. And that is if you were to give career advice to the rising stars in our audience, what would that be? Are there a
1: couple of nuggets that you might share with them? Gosh, I know that you only asked for one short answer, but I started out as a customer service rep when I was in college. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to young women is get your education and stay relevant. When you're in your 20s, get your master's degree. You know, most of the job descriptions these days are bachelor's is required, master's is preferred. And you don't want to be that one that your resume isn't even on the pile because you don't have a master's degree. So if you have the time, get your education. I went back to school four years ago and got my doctorate in business, DBA. Um, not that I'm saying people need to do that, but it was one of those things that I always wanted to do was to be a doctor and be a college professor. So it's kind of like my second job is, is teaching um ethics and business is something that I'm really passionate about, but it is the one piece of advice I do give to everyone that I mentor or I speak with is to keep your skills relevant and make sure that you are keeping your eyes open, your options open, set up those virtual coffees, network, build relationships. I cannot uh, stress how important that is, and never burn a bridge in this industry because it is very small. So, you know, keep a smile on your face, be positive, work hard, and you know, build your brand and make sure that people are aware of who you are and the good work that you do. Oh my gosh, that was like 50 things all crammed into two that's why minutes. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't just pick one, but it is kind of this package that I put together. If I have an elevator speech, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it means so much more. I know I'm kind of towards the end of my career, but it means so much more now looking back on you know what to unpack some of these things, building your network and keeping your skills current and, and connecting with others, not burning bridges. Like it means so much more now that you've kind of had some experience in the market and in a business context to to really bring that to life. This has been fabulous, Katie. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. I love what you're doing at USAA. I love those mission moments. And I know I could use a few just Uh, to remind me of who my clients are and and why I get up in the morning every day, but um, I love the way you bring it to life. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks,
1: Christy. Thanks for having me, and I'm super excited to be part of Women in Payments. I'm very proud to to say that I'm the the sponsor here at USAA, and I know our organization was very happy when we formed this partnership, so I'm really looking forward to growing the, the organization here and working with you in the future, so thanks again for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, just for our audience uh, who may not know,
0: USAA is the Women in Payments' first corporate chapter, <laughs> and we run week or sorry monthly chapter discussions about various topics, uh, all centering on career development. And we're delighted to partner with you to do that. So, thanks for that opportunity. You're welcome. So, this has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I encourage you all to join us online for the many other Pause for Payments webinars that we host with inspirational leaders like Katie around the world of payments. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks, Christy. Have a great day.
0: Pause for Payments is produced by Women in Payments, and you can learn more about us at womeninpayments.org. You can also sign up to be a member and gain access to our global membership portal, where you'll find the latest industry trends, exciting career opportunities, and so much more, all created by women for women. All of our episodes can be found on many good podcast streaming platforms. And if you enjoy today's podcast, please remember to rate and subscribe. It really helps us to get found by others. Thanks everyone for listening.